I'm uh, going to read the passage today. It is from Ephesians chapter 5. It is um, starting in verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Good morning. I'm going to move this so I don't run into it later. All right. So, Nathan just read our passage for us this morning. As you can tell, we're, we're back in Ephesians, even though it's been a bit. Um, we, just before we kind of start our Advent series, we jumped into Paul's application part of Ephesians. So he's, he spent a bunch of time in Ephesians uh, just telling us the gospel, talking about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then he transitions to say, okay, now because of that, because of who Jesus is, because of what he's done, this is who we should be. And so today he's going to do that uh, starting a section, uh, like these are called household codes. And so it's, it was common in ancient literature. People would be like, this is, this is who you should be because of these things that we think, this is, or these things we should believe, this is who you should be in in your home. And so Paul's going to talk about three relationships. He's going to talk about marriage, he's going to talk about parenting, and he's going to talk about bond service. And in each of these, Paul is essentially just answering the question, how should the gospel, how should who Jesus is and what he's done shape the way we act, the way we behave, who we are in these relationships? And so he starts with marriage in our passage today. But you probably noticed that we started in verse 21, and maybe we're like, why are we starting in verse 21? So can you guys throw verse 21 back up there? So this is kind of the, the tail end of, of the sentence and the passage that we were in before. But he says, submitting to one another out of Christ. And the reason why this verse is where we started is because if I was to give you a literal translation of verse 22, it would say, wives to your husbands as to the Lord. Wives to your husband as to the Lord. There's, there's, there's no verb in that statement. And that's, that's different, that's unusual, but, but we do the same thing in English. And so if I, this morning, said that I drank a smoothie for breakfast, but Jen did not, full confession, I don't know what she had for breakfast, maybe she did have a smoothie, but for the sake of this illustration, she did not. I noticed that none of you are like sitting there in suspense, just like waiting for me to tell you what she did not do, 
right? I said, I drank a smoothie, Jen did not. And you, just being the wonderful English listeners that you are, picked up the verb from the first sentence and used it in the second one. Right? This, this is exactly what Paul is doing. He's, he's pulling the, the submit from verse 21 into verse 22. In verse 21, he says, we submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. And then in Ephesians 5.22, he talks about how wives submit to their husband. It's important because this helps us to understand the, the context in which Paul's command to wives come. Right? First, Paul tells us as believers, because of our reverence for Jesus, we should all be submitting to one another, right? It's because we understand who Jesus is and we understand who we are in light of who Jesus is, right? We know that Jesus is on a completely different level than we are. We, we talked about this before Christmas, but, but I'll say it again, right? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ means that we understand that all of us together are under the authority of Jesus, Right? Paul has already told us in Ephesians that, that Jesus is, is far above all, all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named in, in this age and in the age to come. Right? This means that we are, no matter what kind of authority we have on earth, we are a lot closer in authority to one another than we are to Jesus. And that's important because I think we tend to think about authority and like hierarchies as if they're like evenly spaced, right? As if there's like Jesus up here and then there's parents and then there's children's and there's like even spacing between them. Or there's like Jesus and your boss at work and, and then you. Uh, but the reality is, is that there is a massive gap between Jesus and us, no matter what kind of authority we have, that it, that it almost flattens all of those levels, it doesn't flatten them. They're still there, but they're way closer together than we think they are. And so step one for us today is to understand that all of us, husbands and wives, are supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. And so it's with that in mind that we, we move into Paul's application for wives and husbands. The reason why it's important is because then we get that like this isn't just some isolated command that Paul gives to wives. It's, it's a clarification given to this like church-wide broad expectation of mutual submission. So Paul is saying wives aren't supposed to submit to, to any man like they submit to their husbands. They submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Right? They let their husbands lead them in ways they don't let any man lead them. They respect their husband in ways they don't respect just any guy. And so why, why does Paul say that wives should submit to their own husbands as to the Lord? Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So the reason why Paul says wives should submit to their husbands is because the husband leads the wife in a way that's, that's similar to how Christ leads the church. But notice that I said it's similar, right? It's not exact. Uh, we know this because of how the verse ends. Paul says that Jesus himself is the church's savior. Husbands, you are not your wife's savior. Wives, you already know this. He's not your savior, right? Jesus is savior. So it's not an exact comparison, but, but, it's, but it's similar. Let's see what he says in verse 24. He says, now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. 
And so first, when Paul says, uh, as the church submits to Christ, or in verse 22, he says, as to the Lord, I think what he's doing here is he's putting some limits on the husband's authority. He's putting some, some guards on the husband's authority. And what I mean by that, wives, is that I do not think that you are called to submit to your husband if submitting to your husband would mean you're not submitting to Jesus. Right? If, if doing what your husband wants you to do would mean disobeying God, I don't think that's a place where you submit. I think Jesus' authority supersedes your husband's authority. You submit to him as the church submits to Christ. You're part of the church, and so you have to do both of those. And so that means if, if they tell you to do something that puts you in a place where you have to choose obeying God or, or submitting to your husband, I think it's pretty clear what the choice is. Now, I think that we probably tend to think of like extreme examples, right? Of your husband being like, don't believe in Jesus. And like, if he says that, be like, I'm not going to not believe in Jesus. But I think that there are probably a lot more ordinary, mundane ways in which this might actually come into play in our lives. Like maybe your husband expects you to hide his sin. Maybe your husband says that you shouldn't confess your sin to other people. Maybe your husband wants you to, to keep quiet what's really going on in your life and in your home and in your marriage. Obviously, if husbands are leading and loving their wives like Christ calls us to, this won't be an issue. But uh, when I think there's a choice between obeying God or submitting to your husband, you should obey God. When that's not the case, which is going to be most of the time, let's look at Paul's words again. He says, So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. That's a high bar. In everything. And I get that like in, in our cultural climate, really in pretty much any cultural climate. This is not a popular message. But this is what Paul says. He's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit with the authority of Christ, and he says, submit in everything. Not when you feel like it, not when you want to, not when it's something you're excited about, in everything. And ladies, if, if your husband is leading you like he's supposed to, I don't think this will be a difficult task. But you know your husband well enough to know that he's broken and he's flawed. Right? We, we are not always going to be at our best. We're going to be wrong. We're going to make bad decisions. We're going to lead poorly. And this this is when we need you to be at your best. Right? This is when we need you to, to trust and love Jesus enough to submit to us even when we're wrong. And I want to clarify this. Submission does not mean silence. Right? It does not mean that you can't say, husband, you're wrong. Husband, I disagree. Husband, you're being an idiot. Husband, you need to think about this stuff. 
right? You can lovingly disagree and lovingly speak your mind and, and kindly tell your husband what you think about how and, and where he's leading and then submit in everything. I get that. This is, this is a tough ask. Like this, is, this is difficult, but, but this is what Paul says. He says, wives submit in everything to your husband. So let's see what he says to husbands. Verse 25. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So so husbands, we are called to, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. So how did Jesus love the church? He died. He he sacrificed himself for her so that she would be holy and blemish and and without blemish. He he gave himself for the church. He didn't sacrifice his his bride for, for his job or for his hobby or for his bank account or for his phone or for pornography. He gave himself for her. He he died for his bride. Verse 28, Paul says, in the same way, those four words raise the standard for us. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Why should we love our wives like Christ loved the church? Verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Now, Paul's argument here gets, gets a little confusing, but he's going to, try to, he's going to clarify it by quoting Genesis in verse 31. He says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then Paul says, This mystery is profound, but I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. Okay, this is confusing because what Paul is doing here is he's doing two things at once. Uh, He's talking about marriage, like as we've seen, but he's also talking about uh, Jesus's relationship with the church and how marriage kind of represents that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the the marriage and church and Jesus stuff, and then we're going to come back and talk about what what we do about it. So listen to this quote from this guy named Frank Thielman. He's kind of explaining what Paul is doing here. He says, in effect, Paul, Paul says, in effect, The mystery I'm about to describe is especially mysterious, but I'm going to say it anyway. When I refer to the well-known establishment of marriage in the book of Genesis, I am talking about Christ and the church. So Paul's point here is is that from the beginning, marriage was ordained by God as an institution that would represent Jesus's relationship with his people. So the love between a husband and a wife, it points to the love that Jesus has for his church. So it's a picture of the gospel. It's a way of representing that uh, for, you know, uh, our, our children and our neighbors and our friends and our family, how Jesus loves his people. And that's daunting. That's intimidating. But it's also invigorating. Right? It's, it's a challenge. It's, a, it's an invitation to love our wives in a way that points other people to the love that Jesus has for us, for his people. 
It's an invitation to risk and follow him in the hard things. And so that's, that's thing one, the first thing Paul is doing. This is a, a massive, life-shaping, spiritual reason to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Because when you do that, you point other people to the way that he loves us. The second thing Paul is doing is, is almost kind of laughably simple in comparison. He's like, hey, husbands, you like your body. You take care of it, you feed it, you and your wife now are one. So take care of her, feed her. Like, you want your needs met? Meet her needs. You want her to ask you about your day and then listen to what you say? Do that for her. You want her to tell you all kinds of nice things about yourself? Do that for her. He's, he's saying, put your wife first, care about her. At the beginning of Matthew 14, Jesus finds out that uh, John the Baptist, his, his cousin, his friend, uh, this, the forerunner of his kind of messianic ministry, that he's been murdered by Herod. And we see his response in Matthew 14, 13 through 14. That's what he says. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. So in this moment, Jesus is responding to the, to the death of a, of a friend, of a family member. I think also another thing we see happening here is, is as John the Baptist is killed for his ministry, like the, the, the reality of the cross looming over him is kind of front and center in Jesus' mind. So he wants to withdraw. He wants to be alone. He wants some solitude. He wants to be able to, to grieve. And so he goes away. He, he withdraws. But by the time he gets there, the crowds are there. So when he gets to his desolate place, it's, it's not very desolate. In fact, the next thing that happens is the feeding of the 5,000. So this is a huge crowd. So just imagine like you want to be alone and then over 5,000 people show up and they're like, hey, we need you right now. But notice that Jesus, instead of frustration, instead of withdrawal, instead of saying, I've had a hard day and I just need a break, Jesus has compassion. He has love for his people that works itself out into action. He sets himself aside in what he wants and what he thinks he needs, and he loves his people and meets their needs. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. Verse 33, love her as you love yourself because she's part of you. And Paul says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So I want to close out with some, some specific points of application for, for wives and for husbands. And so wives, step one for you to, to be a, a, the, the wife that Jesus wants you to be. Step one is to make sure that you are living in submission to Jesus. Right? If, if, if you're not submitting to Jesus, then there's no way you're going to submit to your husband. Because Jesus is way better than your husband is. 
And in fact, submitting to your husband is something that you're not able to do on your own. So if you're not drawing close to Jesus, if he is not in you, working through you, you're not going to be in a place to submit to your husband, to to love him and be led by him well. So step one, to to be a, a, a good wife is to be a good bride to Jesus. Step two is to submit in everything to your husband as to the Lord. Again, not in ways that disobey Jesus. Also, both wives and husbands, let's recognize together that next week we're going to talk about uh, children obeying their parents. And Paul uses a different word to talk about that relationship than he does to talk about husbands and wives in submission. Submission is not obedience. It's not fealty. It's not uh, subjection. Right? It's the wife deferring to her husband. It's the wife choosing to follow his lead because she loves him and he loves her. So wives, you should be submitting to your husband by letting him, allowing him, permitting him to lead you. Step three, at the end, Paul says, wives, you should respect your husband. You should admire him. You should think highly of him. And I think this is tough. Like this, this might be, I'm not a wife, so I don't know. But it might be harder than submission. Because wives, you get to see us at our worst. You see all of our mistakes and all of our shortcomings and all of our flaws. And the reality is, is that you have been hurt by us more than anyone else. Unless you're newly married and then just give it time. But you also see our best. Right? You know us better than anyone else. You, you know who we can be when we are loving and following Jesus like we're supposed to. And it's, it's so very easy for us as people to let all of the negative things crowd out and choke out all of the positive things. Right? It's so easy to focus on, on all the bad in the people we love and let that cause us to miss all the good that, that Jesus is doing in them. And so, wives, you need to, to fight this fight. You need to fight against that trend so that you can respect your husband well. And I don't mean that you ignore all the bad. In fact, part of respecting your husband is you calling him on all of his issues. It's calling out his sin. It's it's calling out his flaws. But don't let his sin and don't let his brokenness cause you to miss the goodness of what Jesus is doing in him. Respect your husband well. Husbands, like there's, for me at least, there's zero doubt that the bulk of this passage falls on us. I mean, you can just look at it and see how much Paul says to wives and how much Paul says to husbands. And in fact, I'd argue that that if we do the work and apply our part of the passage, it will be a joy and a delight for our wives to apply their part. So step one, fall in love with Jesus. If, if, If we want to lead our wives and love our wives like Jesus loves and leads the church, we need to be focused 
and steeped in and drawn close to Jesus. And there's two reasons for that. One is that we need to be reminded of constantly, daily, throughout the day. We need to to see Jesus as he leads people so we know the example that we're supposed to follow. So as you read the Bible, look at what Jesus is doing. Look at how he's interacting with people. Look at how he's loving and leading people and ask, how, how should that shape who I am in my home? How should that shape the way I interact with my wife? How can I follow him and lead like he does? The second reason we need to draw close to Jesus is because just like our wives, this is an impossible task for us. Guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but you are not Jesus. And so us leading like him is not something we're equipped to do on our own. He is is way better than us. There is is not a big enough word to describe the disparity between who Jesus is and who we are. But even though loving our wives like Christ loved the church, even though that's an impossible task for us, it is not an impossible task for us and Jesus. And the good news is Jesus has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the age. He's promised to to never leave us or forsake us. He's put his spirit within us. We are equipped and empowered to live the life that Jesus has called us to live. And that includes loving our wives like he loves the church. So let's draw close to Jesus so that, number one, we can be familiar with who he is and how he leads. And number two, so that Jesus is in us, enabling us, empowering us to love our wives like he calls us to. That's step one. Step two is die to yourself. That's, that's how Jesus leads. Matthew 20, 25 to 28 says this. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus deserves to be served. But he came not to serve. We don't deserve to be served. And yet at times we expect it. Husbands, if you want to lead like Jesus, don't don't lord your authority over your wives. Instead, use it to to serve them. Use it to, to give life to them. That's what Jesus did. We should be leading our wives in a way that it is a joy and a delight for them to follow us. And husbands, if you if you get to a place in your marriage where you feel like you've got to put the proverbial foot down or you've got to say, I'm the husband, you're the wife. Paul says you should submit to me in everything as to the Lord. You need to recognize that in that moment you are failing. That is not leading like Jesus. That's failing to lead like Jesus. Your leadership should be characterized by sacrifice and service, by by self-denial, by gracious and compassionate love for your wife 
and for your kids. So if you want to lead like Jesus, die to yourself. Step three, Paul tells us to love our wife as herself because we are one. Let me clarify. When Paul says that we should love our wife as we love our own body, we should recognize that it's possible that our wife's body doesn't feel love in the same way that we do. She's different than us. That's important because I think sometimes we think we're loving our wife, but really what we're doing is we're loving ourselves. We're, we're doing what we would want. Husbands, just like we need to be students of Jesus to love and lead like he does, we need to be students of our wife in order to love her well and lead her well. Right? And so if someone were to ask you, what are, what are five things you can do to make your wife feel loved by you? You should have a list of 10. If someone were to say, you know, what are, what are, what are the five best things you could say to your wife to, to communicate your love for her and her actually hear it? You should be able to rattle them off. You should know your wife better than anyone. And if you don't, get a pad of paper and a pencil and sit down and start asking questions. Write them down, memorize it, recognize that's not the end, that's the beginning. Watch her, pay attention to her, cherish her like Paul tells you to. Right? Look for more opportunities to know her more so that you can lead her better and love her better. Husbands, we are called to such a high standard here. But this is our wife we're talking about. Right, like, what better reason for us to rise to a challenge? We pick plenty of dumb ones. This is a good one. Paul is writing this passage so that we would know who we're supposed to be in our homes because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Husbands, you're supposed to love your wife and lead your wife like Christ leads the church so that your wife and so that your kids and so that your friends and neighbors and, and people around you would look at your marriage and see a picture of Jesus' love for them. Wives, you're called to, to follow and, and to choose to submit to your husband, not because he's the greatest, but because of your love for Jesus and your love for Jesus in your husband. And in doing that, it points your kids to, to who we're supposed to be as his people as we faithfully follow him. And so let's draw close to Jesus. And as husbands and wives, draw close to one another so that we might point the world around us to who Jesus is and what he's done for us as his people. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus into this world to save us, to, to bring us back, to, to buy us out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved son. 
And Jesus, we thank you that you left us an example to follow. And so we pray that you would cause your spirit within us to empower us to be who you've called us to be, that, that, that wives would, would love their husbands well and, and follow their husbands well, pointing others around them uh, to this, this picture of your love for us. We pray that you would empower husbands to, to, to rise to this standard, that, that when we fall short, that we would confess and get back up and, and, and follow you with, with renewed vigor as we try to love our wives like you love us. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf, that you have, have paid for every failure and that you have purchased every victory. So help us to, to draw close to you and then in our marriages, in our homes, before the world, that we together as, as husbands and wives would would walk in the good works you have prepared beforehand for us. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.